It isn't meant to be the same thing, nor is the Oz in my book meant to be exactly the vaudevillian painted backdrops that we remember from the sound set of The Wizard of Oz. It's something different. It's something, I'm afraid to say, a little bit darker. Author Gregory Maguire. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Everyone knows the story of young Dorothy Gale from Kansas and her epic journey to meet the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. And we all know that along the way, she uh, liquidates the Wicked Witch of the West. Well, back in 1995, Gregory Maguire built on L. Frank Baum's work to create Wicked, the backstory of the Wicked Witch of the West, how she got the way she was. Well, Wicked became a modern-day cultural phenomenon. Now, one of the several times that I've interviewed Gregory Maguire over the years was in 2005 on the publication of his book, Son of a Witch. And in this interview, you'll hear how, in a strange turn of events, the Iraq War and the fall of Saddam Hussein actually, in some small way, helped inspire this book. So here now from 2005, Gregory Maguire. The main character is a boy named Lear, and he's 12 or 13 years old, living in the castle of the witch out, out there in the west of Oz on the day that she dies with the, the splashy bucket of water from Dorothy. Uh, because a lot of people have come to my novel, Wicked, and will come to this novel, Son of a Witch, because they were introduced to the story through the Broadway musical, oh, yes, Wicked. Yes. Because of that, I will say, one of the pleasures for them in Son of a Witch will be a number of little, tiny, one- or two-sentence homages to the musical, including to the cast who played the parts in the musical. There's a little bit where Glinda comes on stage, on stage, on the page, I mean, uh, and she does a little thing with a part of her body that's something Kristen Chenoweth used to do on the stage. <laughs> and if you were a devotee of the play and happened to see it while Kristen was playing that role, then you will recognize it and it will make you, it will make you laugh a little bit. I hope it, I hope it will make you feel at home in the novel because that's what a novelist intends to do, even if the home is a bit, is a bit corrupt and needs a little correction like Oz. I've heard from a fair number of people who picked up your book and started looking at it just because of the title. <laughs> Well, you know, I used to make a joke out of that title. Ten years ago when Wicked was first published, which actually was ten years ago this week, wow. uh, I would end my book tours when people would raise their hands at the Q&A and say, so are you going to do a sequel? And I would say, well, how can I do a sequel? The witch is dead. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't do a sequel. But I would say if there were going to be a sequel, it would have to be called, drumroll, Son of a witch, son of a witch. And everybody laughed. And I didn't know that I was actually planting the seed for maybe not a sequel, but for a companion volume. Yeah, and actually you've segued beautifully into what was going to be my next question. Technically, this really isn't a sequel, is it? I don't think it is a sequel, although it does uh, pick up some of the stories that we left so abruptly uh, 10 years ago. When last we checked, dear reader, you know, this is what was happening. The witch was dead and Dorothy was on her way back to the Emerald City to receive her boon and her just reward uh, and her, her needy companions theirs as well. It's not a sequel because it's not about the Wicked Witch of the West, but it is about aftermath and the confusion of not anymore being able to ask the important questions. This is something that occurs to all of us, not just people in fantasy lands. Um, so <laughs> I like to think that it's somewhat pertinent to the 
to any reader, not just uh, swords and sorcery or unicorns and and um, and rainbows. You won't find many unicorns or rainbows in this book, I'm afraid. Mm. This is kind of a different looking Oz than I had always remembered from the the book and the movie. Well, I think of, I think now now that this is my second look in on this country, I think of it as a kind of alternate reality Oz in the same way that. Uh, President Bartlett on the West Wing is, he, you know, he's not the man in the White House as far as I know. Uh, he's somebody else. It's an alternate history. Mm-hmm. And it, it smacks of our own times and it points lessons to our own times, but it isn't meant to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. Nor is the Oz in my book meant to be exactly the vaudevillian painted backdrops that we remember from the sound set of, uh, of The Wizard of Oz, nor L. Frank Baum's turn of the century, uh, parables and fables. It's something different. It's something, I'm afraid to say, uh, a little bit darker. More easily recognizable to a 21st century audience, perhaps? I, sh- I should think so. It, one of the things I wanted to do when I started writing Wicked and that I like to do when I came back to this, uh, to this terrain 10 years later is to try to write about uh, a fantastic situation that includes material that most fantasies, swords and sorcery type fantasies, leave out. For instance, critics of Tolkien are always saying, hey, what about, you know, the other half of the, the species? What about the female gender? You know, mm-hmm. what about, what about romance, lust, passion, and betrayal? It's, it's only, it's only male bonding in, in Tolkien pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to put in sex, romance, uh, philosophy, politics, violence, you know, human bodily functions mm-hmm. in order to make it seem as if these people who were uh, contorting through a dangerous time in a dangerous magic land were still people and are, and are recognizably dense and complicated in the same way that a character out of, say, you know, Dostoevsky might be dense and complicated. Well, certainly your characters in this book have to confront death in a certainly more up-close way than we saw in perhaps the movie version, you know, where the the only death was, you know, the Wicked Witch of the East, her toes curling up in under the house, and of course the climactic scene at the end with the melting of the other witch. In between, there isn't a whole lot of real up-close and personal death. Well, that's true. And and now that you mention it, although I haven't thought about it in quite this way, uh, both the corpses are conveniently off stage, aren't they, mm-hmm. in, in what you just mentioned? All we see is the socks and the shoes, mm-hmm. and all we see is the is the hat. In the, in the melted cloth as the mm-hmm. witch is dead. We don't actually have to confront the bodies coming home in the body bags, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that makes it a little bit more palatable. I do confront the bodies though. I do confront the death <laughs> and more, more than that, I confront the distress that obtains when one has to live with the fact that one has been responsible for some death too mm-hmm. and has, has nonetheless to go on and try to live a responsible life. Now, we, as you are saying a moment ago, it's not strictly speaking a sequel, but to kind of ramp us up to speed, we do see in the opening pages Dorothy and the Tin Man and the That's Scarecrow right. and all that. And correct me if I'm wrong. The impression I'm getting from the Dorothy that you show us in this book is she's almost more – what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of flighty and kind of, uh, you know, like – casual and almost dismissive of little Lear, you know, it's a, oh, yeah, we'll get you a father. Come on, we're going, we're going in now, you know, it's just, it's not the sweet, doting, caring, tearful, uh, you know, Judy Garland kind of character. Well, let's face it. You, if you had been responsible for the death of a witch, you know, you might, you might spend a couple of weeks you know, trying to find your bearings too. Uh, I mean, that, she was responsible for the death of two witches. I mean, between That's true. I mean, you know, there she is. This uh, a serial killer. <laughs> well, you, you must have seen the uh, 
uh, those little clips that about uh, in in TV guides that say something like they're advertising a, a reissue of a rebroadcast of The Wizard of Oz, and they're saying, you know, uh, child. Um, What's the what's the correct legal term for a juvenile? Oh, uh, juvenile um, juvenile kills, uh, but survives only to kill again. <laughs> and even if you killed by accident twice, it would still set you loose of your moorings a little bit, even if you were from Kansas, where mm-hmm. where you know everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I was maybe. I don't know if it's surprised, stunned, a little dis, uh, discombobulated a bit to see how much the, the kingdom, uh, the, 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 the whole city of Oz was pleased to see the wizard go. I mean, uh, I mean, he's such a sweet old guy in the movie. He's a sweet old guy in the movie, but he's a, well, let's see. Is this family radio? <laughs> is this a family book? Son of a witch. <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's a jerk. He's a he's a he's a real full time jerk, uh, and he's uh, constructed about halfway from the character as presented by L. Frank Baum and by the MGM people, which is somebody who lies and sends sends young innocent people off to their possible doom uh, in order to protect himself and stay inside his his palace. Uh, but he's also meant to evoke certain political leaders. Uh, that we know from our our past, uh, mm-hmm. not, maybe maybe even beyond, maybe even before our our own personal pasts, mm-hmm. but uh, but he's he's meant to draw up in us the sense of anxiety that we feel when we think we're not getting straight answers. We're not getting straight answers. We can deal with anything as long as as long as there's honesty in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's where he comes from, and I I didn't have to go. I didn't really have to reinvent him. I just had to look and say, well. Well, what does he do? Who is he? What is he doing? Why is he, why is he doing this? Uh, what really surprised me in this story, Son of a Witch, is that once he's gone, uh, everything isn't perfect immediately. It's like, you know, the next administration has got its own ills mm-hmm. and, and its own, uh, sets of problems and conundrums and its own excesses that, that have to be corrected somehow. Oh gosh, Iraq wasn't great after Saddam left either. So exactly, exactly so. And you know, it's interesting you should say that because one of the things that prompted this book um, is that after the um, the play, the musical version of Wicked came on Broadway, I started getting letters from middle school girls who were reading my novel Wicked. Now, Wicked wasn't published for middle school girls; it was mm-hmm. published for adults. Mm-hmm. But girls are good readers, you know. Um, and so they were reading it, and they were very much taken. They were writing me letters every week, very much taken by the fact that in the novel, there's a child who is a political prisoner at the end of the novel, a girl, and she is left uh, incarcerated at the end of the novel. And they, these girl readers don't write and say, did the witch really live? They don't write and say, um, you know, whatever happened in that sex club? They write and say, where's the little girl in chains? How could you leave her there? What happened to her? Uh, my friend uh, Maurice Sendak was oh, yes. chatting with him about this once. And I said, I don't know what to do about that, Maurice. And he said, well, your obligation as an artist is is to do absolutely nothing. If those girls are smart enough to read the book, then they're smart enough to come cheek, you know, come, come straight up flush face with how rotten the world is. That This is what they got to deal mm-hmm. with. And you have no obligation to them at all. In fact, you better keep your mouth shut. <laughs> However... However, as I pointed out to Maurice, I now have a little girl of my own. She's four years old. She's from Guatemala. She's going to read Wicked one day, mm-hmm. and she's going to turn and say accusingly, 
But Ba, which is her name for me, Ba, whatever happened to Noor? And I'm not going to be able to look her straight in the face if I couldn't figure it out. So that the Iraq War actually did in some ways bring me back to Son of a Witch because – bring me back to Oz – because with the questions that girls were asking about political prisoners and the images from Abu Ghraib uh, coming yes. on the front pages of the newspapers 15 months ago, they, they all, they kind of, uh, metamorphosed in my mind to be one and the same. I found those images very upsetting, but I couldn't, I couldn't get on a jet and go to Iraq and, and pick it in front of the prison mm-hmm. and say, you know, knock this prison down. As uh, it was for a brief time considered as a possibility, I couldn't do that. So what could I do? I could at least answer the questions of the of the little girls, who could say whatever happened to Noor in the same way that they could say of their parents, well, what's happening to these people? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, whatever happened to these people once even they were let go, or if they didn't die, what happened to them? Oh, what questions parents have to answer. It's easier to be a novelist than a parent. Had it not occurred to you when you finished writing Wicked, what happened to Nora? It had occurred to me that I didn't know, and and that was that had to be enough. Now, some people have said of Wicked, and I mark my words, they will say it of this book as well. Mister McGuire is not a very good novelist because he doesn't answer all the questions. And we get to the end of the book, and we have lots of questions. He doesn't know how to wrap up a novel. I've heard that several times. But in fact, Wicked was a tragedy. The Wicked Witch of the West was dead at an early age. She was 38 and she was gone. And one of the ways to make it seem like a tragedy, to make the reader really feel the sorrow of her passing, is that there was so much that might have been corrected in her life, like saving that child, Mm -hmm. that she couldn't do because she was dead. That made it tragic. I did that on purpose. Uh, so I had to leave the girl unrescued 10 years ago. 10 years on, I maybe didn't have to rescue her, or perhaps I couldn't rescue her, but I could at least try to find out, like an investigative journalist, what happened to Noor, <laughs> so that I could tell my readers, well, just wait till you're old enough to read the next book, Son of a Witch, and you'll find out at least at least a little something. Did they have investigative journalists in Oz? <laughs> Or is, well, yours a, or is yours a unique kind of profession? That's <laughs> fascinating, and uh, you know you'll have to be you'll have to be part of the acknowledgments if I ever go back and write a third <laughs> book because that's a very that's a very interesting question. I don't know. I don't know the answer. The Broadway musical inspired by Gregory Maguire's Wicked recently became Broadway's fifth longest running show. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, an interview I did over thirty years ago with a then very popular actor and political activist who later endured a very high-profile court case in which he was accused and eventually acquitted of murder. Actor Robert Blake, next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. ¶¶